So how many have just had a wonderful time in the last month that you've been here with our whole Engage series? Hasn't it been awesome? Come on. Thank you for the anointed section right here that really responds. Is there any other anointed section in the room? (laughs) All right, honey, why don't you just start us out here? Let's just go for it. Awesome. Well, good morning. You guys should be fully filled and blessed at this point, right? Right. Well, we want to, excuse me, we just want to talk about um, what it means to be engaged um, and have our series just kind of culminate right here um, with what it means to just kind of take everything we've learned the last four weeks and practically apply it to our house and our church. Is that okay? And then we are going to have dismiss you guys to visit our tables and we'll talk about what each table is and then we do have some pizza we're going to go pick up in about 20 minutes. It's good pizza, too. It's good pizza. We it's voted out Little Caesars. Caesars. Yeah. And we voted out Domino's. Yep. And if you like that, that's cool, but this is good pizza. Yes. Come on, somebody. So we're going to kind of tag team, um, Zach and I, and, um, and, and just share our hearts. Is that good? We've got five points, and we're going to go through them. Um, and um, number one is... Let's go to our first point because I, there we go. Live fully alive. And we want to, um, we want you to know that you have permission to live fully alive in this house, in your home, in your family, outside of this church community, in your own community, live fully alive. You want to talk about that part? Sure. You're doing such a good job though. <laughs> Just want to get in your way after last week that preaching that she did. Now, last week was a perfect example. Rochelle just came alive. Not that she wasn't alive before that, but she was having a good time. I had fun. And she got to really release her passion and her heart. You know that God doesn't want you to deny who you really are at the core, because who you really are at the core is a son and a daughter. And he wants you to come fully alive. John Eldridge quotes a, an old poet. He says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you fully alive because the world needs you fully alive. Now, sometimes there's seasons in our life where we have to meet a need, where we have to, we, ha- we got to take care of business. But at the core of our hearts, God has instilled desires and passions within us. And that's what we need to ask ourselves. What makes me come alive? And in, in a church culture and in a kingdom culture, like just in general you know, wanting to advance the kingdom in different areas of society, we have to ask ourselves, what, what am I called to do? And the question is usually answered primarily in what, does, what makes me come alive? And so uh, that's, that's what we want to emphasize is that even in ch- serving in church, serving in a community, what makes you come alive? Now, I, I don't know about you, Rochelle and I have experienced this, but uh, serving in nursery did not make me come alive. I mean, as a dad, some of you have seen the videos, you know, these dads trying to change diapers and they're like gagging and stuff. Have you seen those? I wasn't quite that bad, but um, serving in nursery did not make me come alive, but I did it because it, there was a need. So there is times to do that. But what I found out is that my heart started orienting towards the babies and towards the children. Then we started serving in kids' church. There was this Bible school that we wanted to go to for a while, and they make all of their students serve in the nursery, men and women. And I thought that was amazing because it instills this servant heart 
where even though it's not something they're called to do or created for, they can, they can adapt and get a heart for something. But primarily, we're called to do what makes us come fully alive. Does that make sense? Is there something you want to add to that? I think it's important that you guys understand our hearts as leaders and as, um, as a church community. We want to partner with the passions and desires that God's put on the inside of you so that you can do exactly what God's called you to do. Is that good? That's our heart. That's our desire. But in the meantime, you're a part of this community. So part of being a community is you give selflessly and sacrificially. And that means serving in the nursery, taking out the trash cans, you know. Um, I remember when we, uh, we got our first um, building, and we were in a school for nine months. And Zach and I had to clean the church. And um, I have a significant Toilet intolerance. Toilet phobia. To toilets. Just call it what it is. It's a toilet phobia. Literally. She can't even look at the toilet. I can't. Honey, close the door. I can't. She's getting ready. Close the bathroom door. I can see the toilet. <laughs> it's weird. No, it's 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 on it. It's weird. Encounter weird. freedom. Yeah, I might I might need a sozo. So the first time we had to um we cleaned the church ourselves, I was um it was my week to do the bathrooms. And I was okay when I was doing the women's bathroom because I know all it's only women that sit on the toilet. And then I go into the men's bathroom. I literally, I was like speaking in tongues, closing my eyes. <laughs> this is the worst. Jesus, I love your people. I serve you. <clears throat> Reminding Apparently myself. Apparently, that's how you clean a toilet. I don't, or you're stirring the butter. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know which one it is. <clears throat> Maybe that's both. Um, but I just remember those moments where I literally just knew that my job was to serve. And ultimately I'm so grateful for our ministry team that does that and they're called to it and they get to come alive in it because they love to do those kinds of things. But we do things sacrificially because that's where you start until you get to do the things that you love. And sometimes the things that you don't love become things that you love because you do them with the heart that says, I pour my heart in here. You know, I, um, I never thought I would ever leave children's ministry because I love it so much. Because there's something so rewarding and so authentic about children that can see right through all the games. They can see right through all the facades. They know if you're prepared. They know if you're not. They know if you love them. They know if you don't. That's the beauty of children's ministry. I think any preacher or teacher or anybody wants to plant a church, spend about a year with kids. They'll teach you to be real and authentic. Yes. <laughs> and I, I never thought I'd leave because my heart was so passionate about children's ministry. And it makes, I think kids ministry makes some people come so alive. So our heart with what Zach was saying was we want to see you come fully alive in what you're called to do. But sometimes that means you have to do something else first. Yeah. The second thing we want to say is that every calling is wrapped in servanthood. And if you're here for um, part of the leadership. Wait, hold on. You mean there's not a calling where I can be big time and have 10 armor bearers? And seven shofar blowers around me at all times. And people bow before. No, I'm sorry. No, sorry. Sorry. Big time platform. No. Um, Zach always says the greater the authority, the greater the servanthood. The more authority God gives you, the more you're called to be a foot washer. 
The Bible says the greatest among you is the servant of all. And Jesus demonstrated when he washed his disciples' feet. The biggest person in the kingdom should be the one that could get the lowest. And so we, we, our desire is to lead that way. Our desire is to be that example. And so um, for us, you know, you'll, you'll never see us big time it. Well, I might sometimes. Bougie. Well, you know, if somebody wants to bring me coffee, I'm not going to say no. Lily. <laughs> um, but our, our desire is to lead from a place of saying, no, we will be the servant. No, we, work, we'll, we will give up whatever we have to, to lay our lives down so that somebody else can be who God's made them to be. Because the bigger the authority, the, the more authority you have, the greater the servanthood. Will you tell that story that uh, we were having lunch with Paul and Denise Goulet, and yeah. she was telling us a story when she went to Mozambique with yeah. Heidi Baker, and they're good friends with her, so she didn't just go on a mission trip there. She was with Heidi the whole yeah. time and really got to, see how she functions as a servant and as a lover of the most broken people. Will you tell that story? She talked about how... It changed her. Yeah. Everyone knows who Paul and Denise Goulet is. They pastor a church uh, in Summerlin area called International Church of Las Vegas. She was telling the story about she went and spent two weeks with Heidi Baker in Iris Ministries in Mozambique. And the first thing Heidi tells everybody that comes to minister. Now, first, when you come to minister, it doesn't matter who you are or who you are in the States. Everybody that comes to serve is in the same, you're on the same level. And she tells you, when you serve, when you give water to the orphans or you serve the cripples, you come under them. You don't hand it out like this. You don't hand them water. You don't hand them food. You come under. And then when she sits all of the pastors and leaders at her table... She also sits them with all the lepers and all the orphans and all the She hurting. actually puts all the, the lepers and mm-hmm. people that, you know, they're maimed or lame all on like a platform. Yeah. And they get like the best, the first meal, and they get the, the big table all together. And that's where Pastor Denise sat with yeah. them. And she said it totally shifted her heart into a place where you come under when you serve. So if we understand that, no matter who we serve, even if we serve just our family or just our neighbor, you come under when you serve to lift somebody up. That's the goal. You remember uh, she, she kept saying to Heidi would say, these are my friends. Come meet my friends. And she's sitting with all these just yeah. these, these people that in, in most cultures in America, they wouldn't be like, whoa, you know, go back to the leper colony. You know what I'm saying, right? But the heart of God is mm-hmm. like, no, we're supposed to call the most broken. the most, And that's the servanthood of Jesus that yeah. he gives us. And every calling is wrapped up in servanthood. Amen. 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 Um, number three, and I touched on this last week, but our, our job is to manifest the kingdom. But the kingdom looks like something. The kingdom looks like love. And I encourage you, if you haven't heard the last four sermons, uh, the last four messages in this series, to go back and listen to them online because it's so important and vital that you get the heart of every single message. But last week we talked about manifesting the kingdom. The kingdom looks like something. The kingdom looks like love. And love is self-giving and sacrificial. If it doesn't look like self-giving, sacrificial love, it's fake love. It's not real love. 
That means doing what you don't want to do. Come on, somebody. Loving, hurting, broken people when you don't want to, when you're tired, when you're, when you, you are this, or you're that, or you don't have enough to give, or you, there comes a point in our lives, saints, where we mature enough that our lives look self-giving and sacrificial. See, maturity looks like self-giving. Immaturity is taking. There comes a point in our lives, children of God, when we mature in love, and when we mature in love, we give sacrificially. I think there's something so powerful about this that sometimes we don't realize that even depression and these things that uh, weigh us down and we, we feel like something's missing. Something's missing. I don't know. You know, and it's almost like an unhealthy dissatisfaction. I think everyone experiences. But when you learn to humble yourself and be other-centered and radically give, you, it, it's like it just, it's almost like you, be, you come, uh, you, you go from becoming or being a dead sea to rivers of living water. Yeah. And you just learn to pour out and you learn to give and you learn to serve and you learn to love and you just come alive. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, when I'm serving other people, whatever it is, volunteering somewhere or just giving. Uh, we met a precious sister recently. She says, I try to do one good deed a day. Yeah. And it didn't come from like a religious performance thing, but in her own heart, she says, whether it's buying someone a meal or opening a door. And I thought that was beautiful. I think Christians should learn that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, just being somebody that says, no, I'm his workmanship, created for good works. That's what we're created for. And just the life-givingness of God just comes out of us. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And what happens is is the, the dissatisfaction, the oppression, the confusion, the depression, or whatever sometimes believers go through, it just goes away because you're not thinking about yourself anymore. Yeah. You're thinking about how you can love and serve people. Yeah. Amen. I knew that wouldn't get that many amens. Just a few from the anointed section still over there. Real quick, Luke 17, the Pharisees are asking Jesus, where's the kingdom? And we want to see it. Is it going to be observable? And he says, no, you're not going to see it. It won't be here. It won't be there. But the kingdom is in your midst. Now, a lot of translations say the kingdom of God is within you. And I think sometimes we'll overemphasize that and make it about us. It's the narcissistic way that sometimes we look at scripture, salvation, all that stuff. But what I want to say is, I believe Jesus was saying this. In one regard, yeah, the kingdom is, is in our midst. Like the reign of God is in our midst. But you know what I believe he was really saying is, the kingdom is in your midst because I'm standing here. So wherever the king is, the kingdom is. Bill Johnson says it this way, that the power of the kingdom is released in the presence of the king. I remember him saying that back in like 2003. And I'm like, that's profound. So wherever the king is, wherever the king is, so when we manifest Jesus, we manifest love, servanthood, humility, radical forgiveness, self-giving, other-centeredness, come on, self-sacrificial love, we're manifesting the kingdom, the reign of God's love. So we're called to manifest Jesus. We're we're called to live out incarnational life. Amen. Amen. And number four. Number four. Number four is, it's not about the title, but the function. So um, our heart is that you live who you're supposed to be. You walk in the function of whatever it is you're called to do. And then a title comes if you even want it at that point. Let me tell you this. If, you, if you're searching for a title or a position, live the function long enough that you don't even want it. 
Because that's when it's real inside of you. Hold on, hold on. You can tweet her right now at Rochelle Wex. Go ahead, say that again. Yeah, something. Um, Say that again. If if you are searching for a position or a title, live out the function until you don't want the title anymore. Because then it becomes you. Then it becomes real. And then it doesn't matter if somebody calls you a pastor or a teacher or apostle or prophetess or anything. Because you're living the function of who you're called to be first. And you know who you are. You're living as a daughter. You're living as a son. And you're walking out the function. And a title doesn't even matter. You say that, Bishop Rochelle. (laughs) You say that, Bishop. I'm sorry. You know, honestly, at this point in my life, and, and I can speak from a place of, of experience, of wanting, wanting to lead or wanting to be a pastor or wanting to do these things or, or wanting significance or recognition. And now I live from a place as I could be invisible in the presence of God if I'm loving and serving people. I'm fine. Loving and serving people, it's, it's the whole point of everything we want to do. It's the whole point of it all. Love and serve and give. Amen. That's a good word right there. There's this scripture I wanted to read real quick and maybe just chat on this and then we'll close. This is our last point, by the way. We want to give plenty of time for the, um, the, the ministry fair that we're about to do. But let's talk about real quick honor versus flattery and the value system that's so often in church cultures that we have to unlearn. Um, Another thing we used to say on the same lines of what you just said, and you just took it to another level, Bishop, but we used to say, if you're looking for platform, uh, position, or power, you're not ready for any of that. Like if that's what we're looking for, and and I'll be really honest with you, and this is just my personal journey. Maybe you guys are glorified holy ones or something. But when I first started out in ministry when I was 17, 18 years old, um, which was over two decades ago, I, I remember thinking, I want to be somebody. I want to be, be on a stage. I want to play the guitar and do worship. I want to be a preacher because I thought they're significant because the culture of most churches is the significance of people are the ones that hold the microphone. Hello? Amen? Yeah. Or the one that's on the stage that is always dressed real cool right here. Not mentioning any names, Chris Ritchie. Like, we want to... No, seriously, the, do you remember kind of like wanting to be a rock star? Like, I, I did... Like, I want to be... Yeah, you still do want to be a rock star. Yeah. Well, like I said, some of you aren't holy yet, but some of you are. But... But, you know, there's something inside of us. There's a desire for greatness, which is great. There's nothing wrong with greatness. But having power and authority is something totally different. And and really, it's about the motive of our heart. And I want to just be really honest. In the beginning of ministry for a long time, and God's still working stuff out of me, is that sometimes our desire for ministry comes from a desire for to be in a spotlight or to be on a platform or to have authority over people, you know? You can learn real quick where someone's heart is when you give them authority because they're either going to honor people or abuse them. And we're called to honor. We're called to honor, not flatter. There's a huge difference. Honor will bring gifts out of you that you never knew you had. Flattery will make you feel way more gifted than you really are. And we're called to honor. And so there's this verse in... 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people. Say that with me. 
Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Oh, I love that. Love the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Now, when Peter wrote this, he was talking about Nero. And that was a totally different type of leadership. And some Christians can't even pray for the president without bashing him. That's a whole nother message. Hello. But if we can, in this first century context, honor Nero, who was the, a beast. He was in, in a bad way. The dude was jacked. Read about him. He was, he was a beast. He was a monster. If, if we can honor him and pray for him, how much more can we honor one another? And serve one another and love one another and not put expectations of how are you, what are you going to give for me? No, I'm just going to give. And I'm not going to let, maybe if you don't honor me, it doesn't mean I'm not going to honor you. I'm going to honor you regardless. Right. Hello? I'm going to love you regardless. That's what God does. I'm going to love you regardless. That's the fiery love of God. I'm going to love you regardless for all eternity. I'm going to love you forever and ever. And if, there's a lot of people that spend an eternity probably in a bad place, but they're still loved by God. C.S. Lewis says the flames of hell are the same flames of the love of God that somebody experiences in heaven. God can't stop loving people. It's who he is. So from that heart of who we are like God, I'm just going to love. I'm just going to give. I'm just going to honor. And I will not hurt from you. I'll hurt for you more than from you. I'm going to just love you. And in a church culture, I believe that's healthy. We know the difference between honor and flattery. And I'm telling you, it takes a long time to unlearn because flattery feels good. Flatter me, please, somebody. You're not even responding right now. Flatter me. Flattery feels good, though, when we're used to that value system. But we don't realize it's not the value system that God wants us to function in or flourish in or grow in. Because in that value system, everyone's looking for that position, that platform, because that's... Where and, and listen, Paul breaks this down. Let me close with this. Paul breaks this down in 1 Corinthians about significance of the body. 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, 14, talking about the gifts and the body. And he says that the, the least parts of the body, the parts of the body that we consider the least, we should give the most honor to. Isn't that beautiful? Like the parts of the body, the people. The, what about the unseen parts? The unseen parts of your, your body, your physical body? The parts that you don't see, I mean, you know, I can't see your organs except for your skin, right? It's considered an organ. But I can't see your heart, your liver, your lungs. How many know you can't live without that? But we're always focused on the parts that can be seen. The mouthpiece, the one holding the microphone. What about the parts you can't see? None of this church community can happen without people loving, serving, and giving. And the people that maybe are not seen on a platform, we give just as much, even more honor the doorkeepers, to the person that's on the platform. So if we are still looking for that, we've got to check our value system. And if our value system is one way, it's really the orientation of our heart. That's what Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where your value system is determines where your heart is set on. Amen? So we believe all of these things are so important for us. Honey, in just a minute, when we close... um, I want you to just talk about what we're going to do and we'll just dismiss and, and uh, maybe give 10 minutes or so before people pick up their kids and go by each table and check it out. Get plugged in. Get serving. You have permission. Every calling is wrapped in the, the servanthood of Jesus. Uh, we're called to manifest the kingdom. And it's not about uh, the title. It's about function. So would you just close this out, honey? Amen. Can you say amen with me? 
Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to just spend some time. We'll put on some worship. We'll hang out. Um, both Pastor Zach and I and all of our team is going to be at a table. So we're going to be there to meet you, to talk to you. And I want to really quick kind of go through which table each rep- what each table represents. So our community connection table, um, this is one of the most important ones we have because this is the way that we can kind of connect everybody in the church with what's going on. Small groups, prayer teams, well, not our prayer teams, but different different things that are going on in the group. Encounter freedom. Um, if you are interested in getting plugged into a small group or eventually you would like to lead a small group in our church, that is where you want to go and visit. Um, the next table is going to be our prayer and ministry team. So if you're a part of our prayer and ministry team or you want to get involved on our prayer and ministry team or intercessory network, some people want to pray, but they don't want to pray for people on a Sunday morning. Well, we have an intercessory network that will let you know when there's prayer needs that go in our body. You know, um, just the past couple of weeks, there's been just such an influx of of the beauty of the fullness of the body of Christ answering the cry of our community with different people that need prayer or hospital visits or something. That is our prayer and ministry team. Okay. The next is our worship community. So if you're interested in getting involved in our worship community, obviously we believe, um, the way that, uh, David in the Bible did that you have to play skillfully. So, um, you will have to, uh, try out for anything that has to go up on here, but there's other ways to serve. There's, you can be on the, uh, media lights sound. Um, so there's lots of areas to serve, um, in our worship community. Our next table is our STSL, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, we are relaunching our School of Theology and Supernatural Living. We believe um, that with the right idea of who God is, coupled with the empowerment of heaven, we can literally change our world. And so we've created a two-semester school um, that will go through everything from church history to supernatural living to your identity to kingdom finances to the way you operate with your family. I, I mean, it covers the spectrum, how to study the Bible. So please go visit the table. Pastor Zach's going to be there. He is the uh, main instructor for our School of Theology and Supernatural Living. Um, and then one I'm super excited about is our Encounter Kids. You know, I believe that if we serve our children well, we raise up the next generation and we steward the harvest well. It has to do with our children. Um, and so that is anywhere you want to serve, from nursery and toddlers to kids' Let church. Let them lead the way. Love they're, the children. They're the children of the future. Let them lead the How's way. That song go? Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Right? Teach them a sense of pride. Yes. To remind them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Stop now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, the next one is our women's ministry. Um, we are, we have lots of stuff going on in our ladies ministry and I encourage you all the ladies go get involved, go see what we're doing. We have a really great, um, in town ladies retreat. I've rented a house that sleeps 28 people. It's a mansion, an eight bedroom mansion. And, um, we're just going to have an amazing time in April. So if you want more information, go visit the, the women's ministry table, our men's ministry table. We are launching our men's ministry this month, February. So mighty men of God, make sure you go sign up. If you want to get involved in our men's ministry, sanctuary hosts, we actually call them worship center hosts. And we, um, just made a little fluke on our banner, but our worship center is this area host serve this area. 
And so if you are interested in serving in that area, please go visit our sanctuary host table. Our welcome team, our awesome, awesome welcome team, they are involved in everything that happens in the foyer and getting people connected that are first time getting them gifts, greeting them, uh, making sure hospitality runs great. So if that is in your heart at all, please go visit the welcome team table. And then last but not least, this has been one of the things in our past that was the hardest to um, get people to serve in. But we have an awesome team that has risen up and serves our church so well. And it's our beautification team. And we just love what they do. We love how they serve. And so they need lots of help in hands. And so that's a great way to get involved. So we love you. Thank you so much. I'm going to bless you. Turn on some worship. Please stay for at least 10 minutes. We're going to say please pick up your kids or by. You'll, you'll miss pizza. If you're yeah. Please pick up your kids by like 1140.